Hey guys, welcome back to our fourth episode of The Used Gamers. Uh, we're all here again. Hey, I'm Jared. I'm here. We've got Mike and Chris uh, again with us. Of course, our, all of our regulars. Hello. And um, Hey guys. And mostly what we're going to talk about today is uh, 2012. Uh, we're going to talk about games we liked. We're going to talk about big things that happened. Uh, and just kind of... Um, what was what was important in gaming in, in, in the last year. So uh, first, of course, we'll just uh, kind of catch up with everybody. So, uh, Mike, what have you been doing? What have you been playing lately? Anything new? Um, well, uh, new-wise, uh, I started, I've been playing through uh, Arkham City, finally the Batman game, so I've been really enjoying that. Although, uh, I feel... I, I have really liked it. I, I felt like the single player was a little bit short, like some people have said, but there's a lot of extra stuff, but in a way, I almost feel like there's too much extra stuff. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like I could just head around that city forever looking for Riddler trophies and never find all of them, so I almost feel like they should have dialed it back a little bit, but I still liked it. I thought it was great. You know, it's just like can the I, original. Can I say something? I, I might be in a big minority here, but I actually enjoyed Arkham Asylum more than Arkham City. What did you think? Um, I thought they were both pretty equally. I mean, I guess with the way uh, Asylum was definitely a lot more kind of driven in a way, you, you know, with yeah. with Arkham City, I almost found myself and to force myself to go do the, the main storyline because I wanted to do all the side stuff, but you just can't do all of it because you don't have all the gadgets and everything like that but then by the time you're done with all the main stuff and you have all of the side stuff to do it can be a little overwhelming so i i mean i would say i I wouldn't say necessarily one is better than the other i'd say they both have their strengths and their weaknesses but i like them both um i've actually still been playing uh you know the old republic my uh free to or my uh one free month of subscription finally ran out and so i've been playing it on the um, the free-to-play model, and uh, a little disappointed with the way it works out. Um, I, I feel like they kind of jip you out in a lot of ways, and I've heard a lot of people argue that, hey, you know, you're getting it for free, so what are you complaining about? But I've played a lot of different free-to-play uh, games, and I feel like with most of them, when you play the free version, you basically get the basic game. But with this, I don't even feel like you're getting the basic game. I feel like you're kind of getting jipped out on a lot of stuff that seems kind of just, you know, like them just trying to squeeze a little money out of you. But, you know, hey, if that's their way to try and make some money, then, I mean, they're not going to get it from me, but maybe somebody else will end up <laughs> subscribing just to get away from it. So maybe it'll work. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, but still been enjoying it, still liking it. And I also started playing um, Planet Side 2 recently. It's a, a, an MMO shooter for any of you guys who don't know. Uh, really a lot of fun. Just big, huge, epic kind of battle. Um, you're basically, there's three different empires. You pick an empire to fight on, and you're fighting on this continent that's, almost like a big game of risk you have to capture different hexagons so it's just constant battles going on not really any kind of depth or storyline to it it's basically just complete um competitive shooter but i like it because it's very well balanced even jumping in as a level one kind of player at the very beginning um, my gear wasn't really crappy to where i wouldn't be able to you know fight against people and still get kills um as you do level up you know you, you can unlock different things as you earn little points and um but they're basically just extra little tricks it's not going to make like a, a Call of Duty where I'm going to have the best weapons and you're going to have this crappy little thing that you can't kill me with. Right. And it's class-based. It's very well divided. So I, I'm enjoying that as well. But that's that's pretty much what I've been up to lately. Cool. 
How about you, Chris? What are you playing? Um, I'm firmly <laughs> entrenched in Borderlands 2. I was a little late to the game on that, and that's... Welcome. Yay! No, I mean, it's, it's great. <laughs> What's interesting is that, you know, it's been out long enough now that most people who picked it up around launch, you know, have, have played through the campaign. They've played through at least a good amount of the DLC. They've got multiple characters. They've got level 50 characters. And one of the things that's been fun for me is just about any time I log in, there's a good chance I'm going to run into somebody I know who is you know more than willing to either you know go to a character that's evenly leveled with me to play along or even just take an overleveled character and help me just you know gain a bunch of XP really quickly. I'm kind of at a point with the main story where I, I think I have a problem with games that are really big and really wide and really open, which is a little similar to what Mike said about Arkham City is that you know when given infinite choice i have a tendency to just want to do nothing because i don't know where to go i don't know if i want it so i need to just i want to get back on just trying to get through more of the main story because it's at a point now where so many of the side missions that are available to me are so easy now that the point of going it feels like a waste of my time i'm not going to earn a lot of experience and so you spend hours and your character's barely leveling and i want to level because i want better game i mean want better guns and i want to so i'm still enjoying it but I do feel that I've hit a point where I'm in a bit of a lull, so I, I just want to power through it because I definitely want to hit the end of the main campaign so I can start playing with the DLC and stuff like that. So that game's just ridiculously fun. I'm not, in general, a big first-person shooter fan, but there, it's just sort of a category in on itself. I mean, it, it you know, you, you look at this year, and that's the one thing that you're not going to see anybody kind of you know poo-poo on in any way. That game's just ridiculously fun, so <laughs> that's been great. And then I've just been playing cleanup on a lot of other games that... Um, I haven't spent time with. Uh, I recently watched Indie Game, the movie, which is a fun little documentary that's on Netflix, which basically chronicles uh, the making of a few titles that went on to Xbox Live. Uh, Braid, which at the point of the movie had already come out and was a big critical success. Uh, Super Meat Boy, this ridiculously hard platformer that's pretty fun. Oh, it's just uh, punishingly, punishingly hard. And then um, Fez, which was in development forever, which was, I really, really enjoyed. So based on watching that, it made me go back to Braid because I had given up on that for a little while. And I'm, I haven't played all the way through it yet, but that's just a fun little game. And then uh, finally beat Super Mario 3D Land on my 3DS. So it's my first 3D, 3DS game that I beat. And that game gets ridiculously hard in the later levels. And it's funny to think about like how much of the language of what we know of as video games is like defined by things like Super Mario Brothers, but when you play some of these newer games, like later on, they can get really, really challenging. And I like that because it feels like it's actually time well spent where I'm not just blowing through some little baby game, which Nintendo's, you know, yeah. people accuse them of making those all the time. But that game got ridiculously hard at the well, end. So it kind of harks back to like you know Nintendo. Exactly. Yeah. Itself. There's the idea of there, there's hard and then there's Nintendo hard. <laughs> right. So that, that's what I'll say. Like a game like Dark Souls or Demon Souls. What's Nintendo hard? And you're like, oh, okay. That that gives you an idea of what that was like. This is like playing Ninja Gaiden, or this is like playing right. Ghosts and Goblins. Like, like it's, that, oh, it's that's impossible. a special kind of hard. Ghosts and Goblins. Oh my god. Which we didn't complain about at the time because it's all we had. So that was right. everything was awesome when you were a kid. But it was impossible. Yeah. I feel like Dark Souls is like the new Ghost and Goblins. Yeah, it's probably. the new Ghosts and Goblins. It is. It's the masochistic. It's like I'm I'm being asked to be kicked between the legs, and I'm gonna like <laughs> repeatedly the gaming version of that. And if for some reason, it's ridiculously fun. And I paid fun. you to, to have this happen. Yeah. yeah. And then um, other than that, um, I I just mentioned to Mike, uh, I was gonna go to bed early last night, but for some reason, got it in my mind that I wanted to play Journey. So I downloaded that on the PlayStation Network and <laughs> beat the game in about an hour and forty five minutes. And I can see why people are really excited about that game. It really was 
something kind of special. It's you really no enemies to speak of. You know, there, there's no narrative. There's no dialogue. There's very little story. Uh, it was really beautiful. Really kind of a fun thing. So, uh, And it was a game that won a ridiculous number of awards oh, yeah. uh, this last year. So I, that was fun. In preparation of doing this tonight, I was like, yeah, I'll play through this game. I think I could probably make it through tonight and it didn't take as long as I went. And I'm, I'm anxious to go back and, and play it again because it's just it's really fun. It's sort of a special little thing. Um, which is, it's neat. It's neat to look back on the last few months and think that there's been some of these smaller gaming experiences that I've spent time with, stuff like Walking Dead, and that are just very different than most of what I play. And so that's been a lot of fun. So that's what I've been up to. That's cool. Now, let me ask you about Journey yeah. for a second. The, one of the things they said they wanted to create was this idea of isolation. Right. Did you feel that while you were playing this Yeah, game? you know, and I have to give credit to um, one of the websites where that I read a lot for video games is Kotaku, and they have this series that's called, um, I think it's called Before You Play, but it, the idea is anytime a, a new big title comes out, they'll put out an article that says, like, tips for playing this game the best way. So it's not spoilers of any way, but it's mm-hmm. like, you know, for something like uh, Assassin's Creed 2, they might say, like, oh, it's really, you know, you really need to go through and find all the glyphs because it's going to fill in stuff with it. Like, it's optional, but you really need to do it. Or, right. like, a game like Demon Souls, when I played that, they're like, yeah, you really should play this class because... They have regenerating health and nobody else does, and you're really going to need it for this game. I came across an article a couple days that said our one tip for Journey is um, play it by yourself because the game does have this weird multiplayer component where other people who are playing it will just show up in your world, and there's no – it's not like a – a multiplayer game where the avatar's name is up above their head or anything like that. You don't know who this person is. There's no way to communicate. There's no chat text or verbal and you just kind of find your way through this world with them and I think the way it works is when you beat the game if you beat it together you'll at the end of the game you see what their account name is or whatever you call it on PlayStation but they said that since the game does sort of thrive on this weird feeling of isolation and like like Metroid did you're in this weird creepy world right. by yourself and nobody's helping you or like Dead Space was very similar to that too um, so their recommendation their one tip for playing Journey was turn off PlayStation Network the first time you play it now go back and do the multiplayer thing later because it's cool and it's kind of neat and nobody else really does that so I did that so I played through it on my own because I didn't want to run into anybody else and yeah it is it's definitely creepy especially when there's no other information. There are these cutscenes sort of between levels that don't really mean anything. It's sort of told in pictures and again, it doesn't make any sense at all. You kind of get this rough idea of sort of what's going on in the world but yeah, and it's like, it's one of those things that's like, you know, $15 for a game that I beat in less than two hours but you know, that's what you'd spend to go see a movie and this is one I can re-experience so yeah, it was really, really cool so I'm, I'm looking forward to going back and playing through that again. But what have you been up to, Jared? Uh, well, I, uh, Merry Christmas. Got my hands on Assassin's Creed 3. And um, I'm not terribly far into it because I've also been doing a lot of side stuff. I think all of us have a tendency to do that. We really like to play a lot of a game if it's available. Mm-hmm. And, and this game has a lot to it. I, I, I was describing it to someone, and I, and I think the best way to put it, and this to me is really high praise, is to say it's Assassin's Creed meets Red Dead Redemption. And the reason I say that is because it, the gameplay is very Assassin's Creed. Um, with the exemption of the fact that it, the control system has been a little bit simplified and um, in a good way. It is good. It's not really that different. Uh, it did take me a little while to adjust as someone who's played the entire Assassin's Creed lineage so far, or whatever you want to call it. 
Um, but it's really not that different. And uh, the reason I say it's like Red Dead Redemption is because of the open world aspect. <laughs> and, and it's similar in the open world aspect of, one, you can hunt quite a bit, which you could do in Red Dead. Uh, two, the world is literally quite large. And three, once you've been places, they give you a lot of fast travel options. So you're welcome to travel on horse to wherever you want to go or fast travel and skip the stuff in the middle. And, and that's very Red Dead Redemption like that to me. And you also have the option of just going away from the storyline. There is a very planned storyline that you can follow, but you can spend hours just away from the storyline easily, and you can do it immediately. You, you don't have to get that far into the story before you can start to just do all kinds of different stuff, whether it's these kind of... They also have these kind of side challenges. They have these, these people that, like, once you meet them, they're like... You get all these lists of challenges you can do, like, you know, catch this many animals with snares get this many leaps of faith and things like mm-hmm. that. These little side challenges that you get from meeting people, which is very Red Dead Redemption as well. They're just kind of those side missions and you can you can unlock like different outfits for the multiplayer and stuff like that by, by doing them. So you get little things for doing it and I think some outfits in the game, which again is very Red Dead Redemption. Um, but you don't have to touch that at all. It's, a, it's, it's completely separate from the story. Uh, the one thing I'm enjoying about it the most is something we've touched on before is that when you play a game... You want to feel like you're awesome. That's kind of one of the cool things. It's yeah. like you are this kind of incredible person. And Connor, the main character's name is Connor, who actually you don't get to play for until about six hours into the game, or maybe it's four hours, something like that. You actually play as as uh, another character before that. And when you when you reach the the achievement trophy called "How do you like them apples?" By the way, you'll you'll enjoy that. So look for that one. It's early. Um, no spoilers for that. And uh, but Connor, um, in particular, not this first character you play as, but Connor, the character who is the main character, and you, you get to in a few, few hours, is without a doubt the most badass of the assassins you play so far. And it's because hmm. uh, that's that's big. Because Ezio was I know he he just Altair and, was pretty badass. And, there's too. A, and probably one of the biggest things about that is that they they fix something is that if more than one character is attacking you at once. And you hit counter, you will counter them all. Oh, that's cool. So you don't counter one and then just get hit and get screwed. And every time you counter multiple people, you really want it to happen. Because it does this little mini assassination cutscene where you cut them down in these really unique ways all the time. So oh. it's really fun. Like, every time I see two guys attacking me, I get really excited because I'm going to counter them both and it's going to be really cool looking. Well, that so was, I really like that. That like, was something I loved about Arkham City. It's just like that. They added in yeah, the yeah. multiple mm-hmm. uh, takedowns and, you know, it's, counters it's and stuff. Really, and it really made you feel, it made Batman feel even more like yes, a badass than ever. it's just like that. It's just like in Arkham City if you played that. Um, if not, it's really cool to do that with these takedowns. And um, I, one of the other things, too, is that you used to have to time your attacks where you'd, like, hit... Break, hit, break, hit, hold, hit, hold to get the attacks down. No, you mash the attack button now, which is much more satisfying right. to do because you're just you're just attacking and attacking and attacking. And after any one you kill, if you just point in a direction of an enemy and hit attack, you'll just murder the next enemy. So <laughs> well, they added you that can in. Kill. Was that in Brotherhood of Revelations? Yeah, that was it's, like it, the, but the it's, chain it's, kills. it works better in this one. I struggled yeah. to do chain kills in some of the other games. They're easier to do now. I actually had a point where I was in Boston, and I think the game was glitching, where enemies kept coming at me. I killed about a hundred people in a row <laughs> before I just ran away because they didn't stop coming. The army of bodies on the ground was unbelievable. They just kept piling so up. So really, you really get that feeling of being the toughest guy ever. And the tomahawk kills are really fun. 
So I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm, I'm only a little bit into it because I'm playing it so much, but I just want to keep playing it. The naval battles are, are cool. Oh, so you have gotten to that. Because that's the big thing yes. that I'm excited about. I yeah, want to see. I have played some of them, especially with the way they've struggled with mini games. I'm really enjoying it. I haven't done a ton of it, mm-hmm. but I've liked it so far. I actually have only done a couple missions because they're a little tough. So I've actually waited a little while. I'm going to build up some money and upgrade my ship, which you can upgrade your ship in almost every capacity. Right. So I'm going to do some of the things right now. I'm going to upgrade my ship and then get back to them a little bit. But I, the mechanics of it are, are really smooth. They're, it's really easy to do. It's pretty intuitive. Um, you know, with especially with how some of their their mini games have really struggled to be fun. And I think one of the nice things about it is you really only have to do it once. And that was one of the things, too, is they kind of made you do some of these mini-games that you may or may not, probably not, um, like a lot of times in some of the last couple of games. And this one, if you don't want to do the naval stuff, don't do it. Right. But you probably will want to. It's fun. So I've been doing that almost exclusively um, for the last couple, several weeks. It's been really, really fun. I like that. That's Have fun. you um, spent any time with the multiplayer at all in this game? No, not yet. No, Um I probably will at some point, although I've never gotten that into the Assassin's Creed multiplayer. I usually play it for like a month and then kind of get over it. And, and I think one of the problems I've had with it is one of the problems I've had with things like some of the Call of Duty multiplayers is that the people who are leveled up higher than you are considerably more powerful than you because they have these really great abilities. And you're running around with like smoke bombs and they can just like shoot you with a rifle from a hundred feet away. Like... <laughs> It just does. That might not really be what happened, but um, it just doesn't. It like it, it, there's this, this mm-hmm. tendency of of overpowered characters. So, so the it, yeah, it becomes the barrier previously. for entry becomes so high that yeah. you just don't even. So that's how it means in the past. I I don't know if it's set up to do that again now. I, I feel like it probably would be, but we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe not. But I haven't I haven't touched it yet. No, I've been playing through the main story at this point, which um, I've been enjoying an awful awful lot. So cool. All right, so we're gonna talk a little bit about. Um, Year, the year behind us, 2012. So um, we were just going to touch first a little bit on uh, some of our favorite games of the year. Um, in no discernible order, probably, because we're going to talk about our game of the year for all of us later. But um, let's hit on some, some games we like. So we'll, we'll, we'll rotate backwards. Chris, what were some games that really impressed you uh, this year that you got, got to get your hands on? Well, you know, it's funny. Like, we were just, uh, right before we recorded this episode, we rewatched the VGAs again from this year. And one of the comments that we made was like, wow, this was, there was a lot going on in this last year. And, and it was funny because wow. I remember at the end of 2011, that was also this bumper crop of games. And it was like everybody was kind of looking ahead to the future and like, yeah, I don't really see anything that's going to make 2012 that impressive. But there were so many, like, amazing games that came out and you know whether you got to spend a lot of time with them or a little bit of time with them i mean the big hitters that definitely stick out to me are ones that you know i think would come up on anybody's list of game experiences for the year borderlands 2 that i just mentioned i mean that was super fun i had the unique experience in that i had just played through the first borderlands for the first time pretty much right before i played into borderlands 2 so there was a there was a really smooth transition for me, so it mm-hmm. really stands out like what improvements have been made from one to the other. And that's always nice. You always want to see, you know, you want to take what's great from one and then see how they iterate to make it better. So that's been fun. Um, the the big, big whale of the game for the year was Mass Effect 3 for me. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that game was... It was incredible in that it tied up what it did. I mean, the game itself is was is really amazing. I don't think it's my favorite of the series. Actually, if I think about it, I think it's probably my least favorite of the three. 
Um, but, um, but because it did so much and took on so much, I'll see little cutscenes or a video or somebody will mention something about that game now and I'll think back and go like, oh yeah, like we saw Thane when they showed Mass Effect yeah. 2 as part of the VGAs. I'm like, yeah, Thane, he was amazing. Oh, and you're like, oh wait, there were dozens of amazing characters in that <laughs> game. So I did know, like Thane a lot though. He was he awesome. He was so cool. And so to have an experience that, you know, you spent, you know, well, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of hours wrap up. I mean, that was just so much fun. And then uh, uh, you know, some smaller games that I really liked, you know, getting to play Super Mario Bros. 3D Land, which I don't even think was a game that came out last year. That was a lot of fun. The Walking Dead series, the praises I sang for that, you know, I still highly encourage people. That comes up on sale on XBLA and Steam constantly, so that was super fun. Um, I had the experience of, like, buying, pre-ordering and buying on launch day a Wii game, which was something I didn't expect that I would do this year when I bought Xenoblade Chronicles which was basically a single-person MMO, this big, huge RPG that was huge in Japan. They weren't going to release in America. The internet cried foul and started petitions, and they finally brought it over. And That was a really fun game. And then probably the biggest surprise that I just absolutely love this year was Dishonored, which we've also talked about on this podcast, and I'm eager to, le- to loan to you guys. But just so much fun to take so many things from so many other game series I loved, like, you know... Uh, well, not so much. Well, Mass Effect, there's story options in there too, but mainly things like Bioshock and just such a cool game. So, yeah, great games. Those are the ones that stand out to me. And Journey that I played through last night. I mean, that's one that I've been thinking about all day today. So anytime something sticks with you, that seems to be good. So, Mike, how about you? The year in games. Oh, well, um, yeah, I agree. It was, it was you know, a, a really good year this year. There was lots of good ones, unfortunately. We weren't able to get to them all, but we got to quite a few. Um, some of my favorites, of course, you know, Mass Effect 3, Bioware. I mean, of course, I liked it. I would also agree it was probably my least favorite of the three, but when you think about that, when you look at its competition, I don't think that's really saying that bad. Like, that it was the least, you know, it was the worst. Of, like, it was like saying the newest Batman movie was, like, the worst of the three. Right. Like, oh, well, of course it's going to be worse than Dark Knight. I mean, that movie was amazing. You know what, though? I think part of what was hard about three is that it was over. Well, yeah. Oh, I don't think there like was the a good way you could you, end it. I well, don't think no, there was any way where people would be. Where happy. Everybody not, not would that, have been happy. Well, about not that it, the yeah. ending was bad, but that the last two games you do them, and then you could be excited because you're looking about what's to happening else, next. Yeah. You yeah. didn't get to do that anymore. So I think that could be part of that feeling because when you play one, you're yeah. like, "Oh my god, I can't wait to play two. When you play two, you're like, "Ah, my brain <laughs> is exploding. I cannot wait to play three. It's going to, it's going to destroy my existence." So. That, I, I think that's a little bit of what people are feeling with that, because I think that's not an mm-hmm. uncommon sentiment. Although 2 probably was better, but I, I, I think that's part of what we're, no, we're feeling No, 2 was definitely the best. Yeah. I liked 3. I also was really impressed with the multiplayer. I did not... Ex- yeah. When I heard there was multiplayer, yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to be horrible. But I actually really liked it. I thought it was great, you know, so that worked out really well. Borderlands 2, loved it, continue to love it. The way that they've just continued to pump out these DLCs that are great. We even have the new one that they announced, Hammerlock, that's coming out. One Which level looks cap. like it's going to be great, and yeah, oh, they're finally raised level cap. I don't know. I don't no, know. No, they said they are, and I think it's going to be sometime beginning of the year, uh, maybe okay, before or right after the Hammerlock uh, DLC comes out. They said out, it might so not we'll be related to a DLC. Oh, so it could just be something. Yeah, they it, could it'll just, just be it. an they update flip a switch for oh, everybody. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm 50, so I want to go up. Because <laughs> so, that means better guns. So yeah, so those were probably my big like kind of console games that I really liked. Um, also, another one was the Angry Birds Star Wars when that came out. I, you know, I always kind of really liked fun. the Angry Birds, but yeah, adding in the Star Wars and all the different abilities just really made it really fun. And I found myself a lot better at the Angry Birds <laughs> Star Wars than the other ones. Like I get three stars a lot more you know, easily. 
Um, so I like that. And my big kind of surprise hit for the year was the uh, Facebook game Avengers Assemble. I was totally anti-Facebook games from the beginning. Like, the whole Farmville, I thought it was ridiculous and stupid, and why do people play this? And then they and came spend out money. with an Avengers one, and I was like, eh, I'll look at it. It's Facebook. It's probably going to be horrible. And I got hooked. I, I never got to the point where I was willing to spend money, but I could definitely see you really didn't have to, where people could. Yeah, and that was a nice thing, is you could play through without it. To get the full kind of really, you know, full kind of feeling, I feel like you did kind of need to spend some money. Yeah. Um, but it was really fun, really enjoyable, whether you're a huge comic book fan or, or whether or not, uh, if you're just into maybe turn-based or whatever, um, it was a lot of fun. So that was kind of my big surprise hit of the year. Um, which is surprising that it came out of a Facebook game. But that was kind of, you know, it, it, I think this year was the rise of a lot more of your arcade downloadable content, you know, this year, right. browser games, you know, with, the, you know, Journey, Walking Dead, you know, uh, Avengers Assemble, all these. Um, won a lot of awards, did really well, and showed that you don't necessarily have to produce these big, huge console hits to make a good game. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I, I just thought that was really kind of interesting for this year and maybe is something to look forward to for next year. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, certainly for me, a lot of the same games. Uh, Mass Effect Three was was incredible. Uh, Borderlands Two, I've talked about so much. You, if you've heard any of our podcasts, you know how much we all like that game. Um, I also got Assassin's Creed Three. I just mentioned I've been enjoying that quite a bit. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you forgot it was long enough ago this year, but Gears of War Three. Oh my Still gosh, I left out Gears of War Three. Oh and. I feel Amazing. like such a horrible person. I, I need know, to like pop it in and play Horde 2.0 now. I know, you gotta go get in trouble yourself. Um, Horde 2.0 was awesome. So much fun. I played so much of that multiplayer. And that, to me, the fact that, that he forgot about it and that I haven't played that game in a while is actually just a testament to how good that game is. Because I can't even tell you how much I've played Gears of War 2. Now, I know I'm gonna pick Gears 3 back up again and start playing it again um, at some point. Just the multiplayer is great. The DLCs they put out... I bought the season pass. It was incredible. That game was really fun. Again, wrapping up a series. Um, also, although they're they're going to continue that franchise. Yeah. Although so is Mass game. Effect, but yeah, yeah but we don't know how in Mass one Effect. Way or we, don't, we already know the next. We know Judgment's coming out for Gears yeah. of War uh, ne- next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, beginning yeah. Of next year. Relatively so, early. Yeah, so it looks really good. Um, and then um, what was the other one I played? Oh man, I'm missing the name. Um, with that, he plays Death. Oh, Dark Siders. Dark Siders 2. 2, thank you. I was, I was brain farting. Yeah, you were totally all about that game oh, when I came to I haven't gotten to try Siders it yet. Dark yeah. um, Really incredible. Like, really fun game. Just took everything you liked about Dark Siders, tweaked it, because as you play as death, it's really different than playing as war. And that was intentional. Um, really different. And uh, a little more open world, more side quests, more things to do, a little less linear. But not to a point where it's so overwhelming that it got out of control. And um, really fun. So I, I had a lot of games. Good year for, for, for follow-up games. Not really a great year outside of arcades for new titles. But probably not too surprising because new titles tend to thrive in new consoles. So well, I, yeah, I and that's like... the thing. We're in this weird period where... You know, we we know the generation is wrapping up, but nobody right. wants to say that it is because they don't want us to just stop buying games because we're waiting for the new big hotness that's coming out. But, yeah, I mean, so you're right. But what are you going to do if you're going to sink a bunch of money into the development of a title? We're going to look back at what's been successful over your last five or six years mm-hmm. and just continue to build on that. And And what's been nice is the fact that those continuations have been 
have have really succeeded in a lot of ways. A lot, if you just you know cash in on a successful game with a very quick turnaround sequel, you know you run the risk of losing your fans, and that was some of the criticisms of. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and Revelations is those games were pushed out so fast mm-hmm. that a lot of people loved them, but a lot of people also said, well, yeah, I don't know if this really grabs me the way that 1 and 2 did. So the fact that we did get you know another Gears and another Mass Effect and another Borderlands and another Darksiders, and these were all very highly regarded titles. Like, you're right, great year for, yeah. for sequels. And I'll, you know what, mm-hmm. I'll say this for Brotherhood and Revelations. They, they I, I have the same problems that you talked about with them, but... They now have merit to me in the fact that they shaped three. Mm-hmm. Like, they gave them a chance to practice more. And honestly, the, the development of those games is part of why three is so awesome. So, like... Learn from your mistakes. Yeah! Like, they grew from it a lot. So, it, like, gives me more room for them now that they let that happen. And they were very clear. They're like, we're just playing more with this story we got. Like, I don't think they were trying to tell anyone they were revolutionizing the franchise. Like, they've basically done with three. So, I actually have more room for those games now that those I'm playing three like it makes me <laughs> is that weird like it makes you me can like appreciate them, them now I, yeah like they, they've yeah. done something for me and what they're doing for me in three yeah. so that's nice well let me ask you this and I think we've talked about this before I played one loved it played two loved it stopped there can I go to three now and just experience that because <sighs> that's what I want to do uh, I feel like you're going to miss, miss out on no, a lot of I, things I really think storyline wise you can't because as I'm playing three that you know, a lot of games that allow you to do that when you the opening will kind of get catch you, you up that. to where you were at. Yeah, they don't. You just jump in in any place. Now they, they did they that with with Brotherhood and with Revelations. There was a little like you know, last time on Assassin's Creed at the yeah. beginning. Did they not do that with three? No, huh. they did a wrap up that was kind of like incredibly brief. If you don't know what's going on and you watch that, you would be completely confused. Hmm. And so I would say that if you want to skip to three. Can go I watch read YouTube spo- videos or, or something. Uh, Wikipedia yeah, go, entry? Go, yeah. go read a spoiler alert vision of the of the story because you'll you'll be a little lost. You'll All be wondering. Right. You'll be wondering. It, uh, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to spoil or anything. But <laughs> yeah. yes, uh, yeah, I'm sure Mike knows what I'm talking about. Um, you'll be lost story wise. Now, if you don't give a crap about the story, then yeah, because the game's amazing. You don't. You know, I mean, the story with Connor and the story that's going on with Desmond are. You know, they're related, but there's... That's what I'm saying, is you could probably skip all the Ezio stuff and still be able to keep up with it, but missing all the Desmond stuff, then you're going to be kind of lost whenever they come back to Desmond. You're like, how did we get here? Correct. Desmond's story is where you'd be lost. Ezio's story is is not really... Because he's not even in it anymore, so... Uh, Ezio and and more Altair in Revelations Sure, sure, sure. So... Although Revelations doesn't really provide Revelations, which was disappointing. (laughs) Yes, we know. (laughs) We're not going to get... We already did that show. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. He's still angry about That's, it. I am. It's just, I, I can't let it go. Come on, Ubisoft. All right, so we need to talk a little bit, too, about games we missed, because we are not millionaires, so we didn't play everything. Does anybody have a game, a title there? Really disappointed they missed. Uh, maybe we could pick up, want to pick up later, uh, something they want to, to look at or anything. We have millionaires. a 15-page document sitting here of every game that was released in 2012. We we, there's no way yeah, we could have played them that's all. I skimmed through podcast. it, and I found a bunch that I was like, oh, I wanted to play that. Oh, I yeah. wanted to play that, too. So has anybody got it? Because at least a couple they want to hit, like things they really wish they'd touched on. Um, well, some big ones for me. I mean, yeah, Assassin's Creed 3 was on there. Um, the Fall of Cybertron game, um, the one that came before War for War Cybertron. Cybertron. We played through that, and it was really fun. It's so I was good. looking forward to playing the second one. Supposedly it was better. Um, so I never really got a chance to try that. Diablo 3. 
Oh, I yeah. haven't got to play it yet. Uh, oh. You know, I heard there were some tweaks at the beginning, but now they've worked it all the out. The online thing though bothers me that you have to be online. Oh yeah, on- that's what a lot of people yeah. have been kind of complaining about. But supposedly it works with the way it plays. So you know, what are you gonna do? Um, Dragon's Dogma was kind of an interesting one that came onto the scenes that not a lot of people had heard about but did really well that I was kind of curious uh, Sleeping Dogs was another one it was originally supposed to be it got renamed after it got taken over by different companies that's another one uh, Torchlight 2 I know Torchlight we talked 2. about yeah, we all yeah. wanted to play that and then um, uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown did really well and I played the demo for that and really enjoyed it and I was really kind of curious about that one so that's going to have to be one I maybe pick up from the bargain bin at GameStop at some, at point, some point in time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's the nice thing, too, is we were talking before the podcast. I think one of the things that's going to be neat about 2013 is that I think there's going to be a period where, you know, there's a bunch of big games that are coming out early this year that got pushed from late 2012. So that that's all going to be great. And But then, you know, just about everybody in the world is speculating the end of this year, we're going to get the new PlayStation, we're going to get the new Xbox. So... People aren't going to be putting resources into big titles, so I'm hoping that we get this little breathing room like, that's hopefully a big part of the year where we can just catch up on. Because like 2010, 11, and 2012 were just this like almost embarrassing like wealth of just ridiculously oh. huge, great games that came out, and mm-hmm. there's just awesome. it's impossible to play through them. So yeah, and I afford mean, them. <laughs> look, or if, yeah, I mean, yeah. and and looking at it, I mean, it was a lot of the same things that Mike mentioned. Torchlight too. Um, I still like playing Torchlight both on PC and on Xbox. That game is so much fun. It just it gets that little, you know. It, it's funny because one of the criticisms I heard during the year was that Torchlight Two is actually a better sequel to Diablo Two than Diablo Three was. Yeah. <laughs> it actually does it better. It's a little more streamlined with huh. a little more it's customization. Little simpler, yeah. yeah, and it's just it's just fun. It's just fun. that simple loot drop thing, which is you know one of the things that benefited Borderlands so much. Um, We're all a bunch of loot whores, aren't we? Like, <laughs> I think everybody is. Well, it's know. dangle that carrot. It's you know ah. reinforcement strategies. That better sniper rifle. I just need it. It's, it's the exact same gun I have. Only this is a different color, therefore it's better. <laughs> That's right. You mean this has less sway? That's Awesome, but um, another game that I was interested in that you know it is not typically the kind of game I would play, but um, was Guild Wars Two. That was something that looked really interesting. You know, it's it's in the wake of the success of World of Warcraft. Everybody's got to think of their thing that's going to make their MMO like the WoW killer, and nobody's ever going to do it. Let's just all admit that and just make our own things no, that no, are going to be no. fine. WoW Two great. will do it. Well, well, there you go. Or Titan or whatever they're doing. They're just going to keep updating the crap out of it. I don't know. They made an EverQuest 2. I bet people said that about EverQuest. That's true. But, I mean, that just looked like a really neat experience that had some interesting tweaks on just how that general formula is. I don't generally play long-form games on my PC, but that sounded like it was fun. And the big one that I look back on and had to say, like, ah, that would have been fun, and I'm looking forward to, is uh, one of the same ones that Mike mentioned, Fall of Cybertron. I think there's something to be said for what you might call, like, a double-A game. So it's like, it's a big game with high production values. It was obviously expensive to make, but it's not one of the gigantic titles mm-hmm. of the year. And that's why it's really cool when you do get traction for a game like Darksiders, which came from out of nowhere. Borderlands, which really came from out of nowhere. Personal and the fan. fact that those games found an audience. Um, that the, the, the Transformers game, was it was just fun. I mean, it didn't do a lot of things great. There were problems with it, but it was just fun. And the fact that... You know, it's widely regarded that the sequel was better. That's one I'm definitely looking forward to coming back to. And Assassin's Creed 3. There was an Amazon gold box sale that had it on sale for 25 bucks for a day. And by the time I got back to it, it was back up to 60 So I missed that, but you know, I'll be looking forward to playing through that. What about you, Jared? What did you miss out on this year? Um, there was a few. Um, 
honestly, I probably wouldn't have until I heard you talk about it. Walking Dead. I, I really want to get my hands on that at some point. Uh, I, I like I like those kinds of games. You know, like I mean, it wasn't even but last year that I I played the new uh, Tales of Monkey Island games, and I loved them, and they were so much fun. Um, so those kinds of and I know this isn't quite like that, but those kind of I don't know if I want to say it's an old school game, but it's just a genre that I'm glad to see thriving, and, and apparently it was incredibly good, so that's great. Um, I also really wanted to play Dishonored uh, a lot. Um, uh, you know, I like those open option games, and uh, you know, to, to play them stealthily, and then, then usually I'll go back the second playthrough and play Guns of Blazing at that point. Right. It's like my reward. It's like how I play good the first time I play Mass Effect, and then I play Evil. It's my reward, just to get to play the bad guy later. <laughs> Um, and then uh, one, of, one of the ones that actually we haven't talked about uh, at all, I don't think, on this, but it's a series that I've really enjoyed a lot, uh, and it's been gone for a long time, uh, Max Payne 3. Oh. Um, Max Payne 3 looked really good, and it looked like it kept the stuff I liked, the bullet time, the greediness, and just really brought it up to this generation uh, of, of console and, and, and the, the level of gameplay we're expecting, and, and it looked really cool. Uh, really fun. So those are some games I'm looking forward to getting my hands on at some point, maybe in the next year. Uh, if we hit that lull, we'll see. That'd be good to, for me to catch up if there's some games. Um, I might follow Cybertron. I might play if you guys get into it. But I actually had a problem with the first Transformers game in that, for me, a big part of what was fun about that, I, I think, is was designed was the multiplayer. And I felt like the multiplayer had real balancing issues. Um, mm-hmm. the, if you played as the plane, you... You were just in a better shape to succeed. Um, it was well, supposedly really... they did improve the multiplayer, where the maps are a lot bigger. You know, yeah, the, the jets can kind of get around a lot easier, but they, yeah, they they corrected a lot of those supposedly oh, problems. That's good. Time. It was it was really unbalanced. And I, you know, you don't like that. You don't want to feel like you need to play a class so that you don't lose. You want to play a class because that's how you like to play your version of the game. So, mm-hmm. well, if they fixed that, that'd be really cool, actually, because the multiplayer was was intriguing. It was the, a lot of fun, yeah. And I felt like it was at least somewhat balanced. Like, it wasn't like a lot of the other, you know, competitive games where somebody who plays it, like, 10 hours a day is automatically going to be better than you because of the stuff that they have, like we've said. Um, you know, I felt it, w- it was a little bit, you know, evened out. And, I mean, the classes I did like, yeah, there were some balancing issues, but not huge. Like, I felt like some games have had worse ones than they did. And there were some weird things about that game, too, where it... You know, you look at the way that, you know, every game, every big game that comes out when they do something right, it's kind of interesting to see how that gets stolen by every other studio in their next game. And it was very weird to, p- to play a, a fairly chaotic, like, third-person shooter. Really fast. That, number one, had no cover mechanic, and number two, didn't have regenerating health. And it's funny because, like, those were not a thing a few years ago. But right. now to not have them, it's like I'm, I'm running into obstacles waiting to snap to cover, and I never do. And I have to constantly remind myself, oh, yeah, you can't do that in this game. Why isn't my health bar going back? Oh, right, because this game doesn't do that. So it's funny <laughs> that you end up taking some of those things for granted <laughs> that just, you know, oh, yeah, that, those aren't just the way all games work now. Oh. All right, some other stuff. So there's also... There were some big stories. There were some big news that hit 2012, and some of it we haven't talked about yet. Um, so we got a list here. We'll just hit down them. We'll start. One of the big, big things was um, there were big studios that lost big talent. Uh, specifically, of course, was Cliff Blazinski and the the Bioware doctors. So um, this made some big changes in, in the way that uh, maybe games are going along because these guys are, are big names. I mean, the faces of 
some of the most important companies. And, mm-hmm. and in my mind, what should happen then is that the, they'll get together and then they'll make a studio with just them and they'll make games uh, that, are, that are so good I can't possibly uh, fathom them. So Gears of War and Mass Effect put together. together right? Like, oh, man. So when your Justice League video game company comes out, that's all the heads of all your favorite things together working together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I was really shocked when I heard the doctors were leaving Bioware because, of course, like I'm a huge Bioware fan, so anything happening to them automatically makes me like personal. kind of freak out just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, I know I, I love Epic. I think they do a great job, too. And, you know... Yeah. Uh, Cliff Bozinski, he's just, you know, it's always fun to watch him do interviews and stuff because he seems like he really does enjoy what he does and he's, you know, he's just kind of a big nerd like the rest of us who just actually hit it big and now likes to rub it in everybody's face so you can't really, <laughs> you know, put it against him too much. But yeah, I was I was definitely shocked to hear about both of those because they just seemed like they had all just kind of hit their stride yeah. and maybe that was the thing is they, they were now in this point where they could go and do whatever it is they want to do now and... You know, hopefully that'll be still making games in some way, shape, or form. God, I hope so, because we really haven't really heard anything, right? About well, no. you know, yeah, I mean, the, the last I checked, one of the Bioware doctors is going into some, like, philanthropic thing, raising money to do great things for humanity, which Aww. that's that's fantastic, I guess. He's got to do something like that where I can't really complain, but yet I also get really but selfishly, yeah, you're just angry. Like, oh. The other one just... <laughs> you go out and... Those- Children, you jerk. That's right. So <laughs> selfish. So selfish. Where's my games? But then the other one is doing something like starting like a podcast about beer or something, which, again, that's cool. That could be but an he just wants, He's okay. just going to enjoy himself. Guys, which, obviously people who start podcasts are really cool. That, so. Well, okay. Yeah. There is that. And then Cliffy B, he's been really, really tight-lipped about um, what his involvement is, but it sounds like a bunch of studios are kind of shopping some stuff around to him. And, and I wonder how much of that, too, is... And we've touched on this before in other episodes, and it's something we've talked about before. When when you have your big studios that make really big games, that as time goes on, these games get bigger and they get more expensive, and there's sort of more on the line every single year for these studios to be successful. I wonder if the people who become these creative visionaries within the company, there's a lot of you know behind the scenes red tape business type stuff mm. involved in these things that I'm sure are a nightmare just like any occupation you have to deal with that side of things and i wonder if at some point you can just get to a level of success where you go you know what this is what i love about what i do i'm not even doing that anymore because i'm having to deal with all these other things let's leave this in somebody else's capable hands and let me see if i can recapture that because i think what that has to do is like you said he was basically, Cliff Bozinski is basically a 17-year-old kid who convinced a company to hire him because he was so talented and so eager about what he did. You know, the BioWare docs were doctors who decided, we're going to take our cool medical software and make it into a game. Because what we really love is playing D&D and playing games. So <laughs> if you get to a point where you don't get to indulge that passion anymore, if what they're doing is leaving to be able to recapture that in some way, then, you know, more power to them, I guess. But yeah, it definitely does seem to feel like it leaves a weird void. Your cats are definitely very upset about the they are. They're, they're really sad about Cliffy they, B. They share with my uh, <laughs> sadness. I can see what you're saying though, because honestly, like, you know, Cliff Blazinski is is a is not only a name but a face that I think gamers are familiar with, and he spent a lot of time just doing PR work. Maybe he's, yeah, maybe he's just done with that. Maybe he want to make games again, because that's I mean that's why we're familiar with this guy, right? right? We see we would see him everywhere. Mm-hmm. He was doing interviews and things all the time. Seemed to like it, but. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just excited for whatever his next challenge is to see him hit it head on because I'm I'm sure whatever it is, uh, we'll snap it up as probably as soon as possible and try and play it because the dude's brilliant. Just as long so. as there's a chainsaw machine gun involved. Can there <laughs> can there not be? It, it never will be. 
totally good. Um, what else? Uh, Chris, you talked to us a lot about this before, because this is something I didn't know a ton about, but was really interesting, which was... Um, uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, I mean, this is that's something that's been around for a little while, but I, I think that this year really saw, for better or for worse, you know, Kickstarter and video games kind of getting into bed together in a way that was just really interesting. I mean, if you look at everything from, you know, if you were to go to Kickstarter.com, you could probably find, you know, hundreds of little video game ideas that people are looking for funding for, and a lot of them are successful, a lot of them are unsuccessful. I'm sure the failure rate is probably well over 90% for any of those things, but the fact that you're getting big name talent, you know, using this resource in order to help raise money to make the games that they want to make. I mean, Tim Schafer announces that Double Fine wants to make a big modern point-and-click adventure game. You know, this mm-hmm. thing that's it's effectively a dead genre, but he thinks there's a market for it and he wants to make it. It's what his passion is and asks for, I don't know, two hundred. $50,000 or whatever, and it makes over $4 million. I mean, there is an audience for it, and, um, you know, it, it's interesting to see where big studios, you know, get involved with this, of or people who used to be the faces behind big studios, like him and LucasArts, but it's also weird to think about, you know, it, is this going to become a new paradigm for the future, where, you know, on you know, GameStop's website, the head of EA announces that they, they're going to make the new Mass Effect game, but only if you help us pay to make it. Like, that just starts to feel wrong uh, because yeah. that th- that's not the intention behind this. So once big studios get involved, that's a little strange. But um, just the idea of, you know, this crowdfunding of saying, like, we're going to work outside of traditional channels and find a way to raise the money to do what we want. Um, you know, we're going to get people involved. You know, I-, I think one of the things that will be interesting to see is once a lot of these games start actually coming out... I think that your critical reaction from gamers is probably going to be a lot more angry and violent and passionate, even than normal, because now you really feel like you have an investment in it, because you know that you have spent money to help make this thing a reality. So if it's a piece of garbage, then you get to not only be unhappy that the studio made something you don't like, but you are personally responsible in some way for this thing that either didn't come out the way you thought it would or maybe didn't come out at all. There's all these horror stories about people who've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to make games that the company just goes bankrupt. And there's no recourse. You you know, I guess the way you have to think about it is if you donate money to any of these Kickstarter projects, you are making a donation. So your money's gone. A lot of the times those donations comes with perks like a pre-order of a game or a special edition of the game, which may or may not ever show up. But, I mean, one of the things we have coming early in 2013 is the release of a new console, the Ouya, this weird little Android-powered cube that's supposed to be able to let anybody in the world make games that you can play on your big HD TV. That was something that was paid for by Kickstarter. That studio raised $8 million to be able to make that console. So... Yeah, it's it'll just be interesting to see going forward. I mean, what do you guys think about that model of building, you know, an interactive experience? Well, I was just thinking, like, with what you said about Mass Effect and about people being mad about how it comes out. Like, think about that. If if let's say with the Mass Effect three, if it, if they did it through Kickstarter, you're, all these people that were mad by the ending of Mass Effect three are probably going to be even more mad now because they actually, you know, supposedly paid for it to be made. And I think with that, like, think about what happened with Mass Effect 3. You had all this uprising, all this stuff, so then Bioware went back and put out the update to try to make these people happy. Well, now they're going to have to try even extra harder, because now you're going to have all these people that basically paid for your game now complaining about it, like paid to have it made. So maybe these people might feel more entitled to the fact, like, I don't like what you put out, 
so I feel like you should change it. Right. I mean, you're already getting that now. You got it from Mass Effect 3 just with these people. So now you're going to probably get in more. So I'd be a little worried if it became more of a mainstream thing. For little side projects, like, you know, Tim Schafer did it. I, I you know, I'm, he likes to do those little kind of games, which I'm sure has a little cult following. So for him, it'll work great. If some, you know, indie company or some just starters want to, you know, it's, it's called Kickstarter because it's for those who want to start out. Right. If you're already a big, huge company... I really don't feel like you should be using something called Kickstarter because you're already right. pretty much set, you know. So yeah. uh, that would be the one thing is I'd just be worried if they started using it as more of a mainstream kind of thing. Yeah, and it's just something about, you know, the combination of fanism, of fanaticism of anything and entitlement that just brings out the absolute worst in people. That's sort of the ugliest side of the internet and with people who like the things that we like is when you become feeling that something is owed to you or something should be the way that you personally want it to be. Maybe I guess we just have to look at it as, you know, it's a, let's look at it as a renaissance model. We're all the, the, uh, the benefactors who help pay for Da Vinci to make his, make whatever you want. I'm just gonna make it happen. I'm just gonna give you the money and I, I just have to grin and bear whatever you come out with. Yeah. I'm honestly not too concerned with the big companies trying to, to touch into this because, the, the amount of, I mean, I, I know there are some companies who've gotten big money out of this, but the amount of money it takes to make a Mass Effect 3, if you're trying to get people to give you money for that, that game's not going to get made. Right. And, and I don't know, if you get $4 million, I think that'd yeah. cover it. <laughs> I, I, have a, I, I don't know what it takes to make a Mass Effect 3, but I, I bet you anything is more Probably than $4 more million. Than that, right? Um, yeah. uh, but I, I, honestly, for me, this is incredible, because there, we're, we're in a level of technology now that... Um, you know what holds people back is money, not and and because if you don't have the money to do big studio stuff, it can be tough to compete. Even though arcade games are doing really well, you know to build one of those arcade games costs two million dollars sometimes. Oh sure. So this this to me is just an ability to let creative people find a way to get into this market, and to me that means a creation in short run and long run better games. Because if we can get the most creative talent a way to get their name in there. You know, this isn't going to be what they do forever. This is how they're going to make their first game or two, and they're going to get involved with big studios, and they're going to start to do big things. So this, to me, is incredible. I don't think the big guys are going to be a part of this. But, Mike, you're saying that the big guys don't need it. They're, they're safe. Well, that leads right us into our next topic, because there were several huge studios who are gone now. <laughs> and it's because these games cost them so much, like we're talking about, to build, that if you flop... You're done. One bad game can be the end of your entire... Everyone. Everyone that works at an entire company. We have in here, what is it? Uh, Zynga, THQ, and 38 Studios. They're all gone. Well, basically. I mean... T- uh, they're the, all basically the, gone. I mean, they might get stuff picked up. Right. The but, THQ thing is really interesting because... Well, if you look at the 38 Studios thing in the Kingdom of Amalur situation... I mean, that's say what you will about that game. I mean, it was at least middle of the road. I don't think anybody hated it. But that money was so poorly managed, and you know, you take a seventy-five million dollar loan from the state of Rhode Island to start and maintain a game studio of hundreds of people to make a game that's unproven and untested, and it just seems ridiculous and irresponsible. The THQ thing, I'm still a little confused by because that's a huge studio; it's been around forever, and yeah. on on the whole, their games have done pretty well. I mean, mm-hmm. Saints Row the Third was. A fun game that a lot really? of people. Oh, loved. That had a huge following. That I was huge. really surprised yeah. by that. And even like Sleeping Dogs that came out this year again, not the biggest title in the year, but everybody who played it seems to really like well, it. It a was lot. a big. I mean, it was kind of a, a sleeper hit, no pun intended, because you know, it, like I said, originally it was uh, what was it, Yakuza. 
five or something like that. And then it got taken up by THQ and they made it Sleeping Dogs. Everybody was kind of thinking, oh, I don't know if this... And it came out and everybody loved it. So I was really kind of surprised to hear that they went belly up right after that. Like right yeah. after a really big release, you know? Because that's what you're saying is like, oh, you get one bad release. But that's the thing is they've had actually a couple of good ones in the past couple of years. So I don't... I like... I don't know if it was just bad investments or what. I think that's what it is. It sounds like it's a, a lot of like behind the scenes mismanagement of, yeah. or attitudes or personalities or yeah, yeah. It just it seems like it's got to be that kind of thing yeah. because it wasn't that there was this big glaring failure that you know everyone lost their heads over. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like you know most of the titles that are in the pipe for them are, are either going to continue to be released by some version Come of on. their company since they just declared bankruptcy, so they'll probably restructure or they'll be picked up by other studios. So. That's good. I mean, I think we'll still see those games. Mm -hmm. And then the Zynga thing, I mean, there's there's that little part of me that just tents my fingers and chuckles a little bit that the Facebook giant that gave us, you know, Farmville yeah, and all right. those other little games just basically collapsed under its own, you know. Well, I think weight. they overextended themselves. They they started just pumping out games, but none of them were any good. And they had like the a original. dozen studios around the world. Yeah. Like, oh, we had to shut down our Shanghai studio. Why does Zynga have a Shanghai yeah. studio? To make Facebook games. To make Facebook games and yeah, that's true. Asia yeah. is a big market. But um but so. yeah, and, and I think you're, you're right. It, it ties directly into this idea of, you know, there's this paradigm shift now in, in the way games are made, the kind of games that are being made. And, you know, if you're going to continue to exist as this big, monolithic monster studio, then it's going to become harder and harder to exist that way because there are just so many other ways things can be done now. You know, it's not just us sitting in front of our TVs anymore with our one, our one or two of the, you know, one or two or three options we have for consoles. I mean... We've got tablets now. We've got our phones. We've got our computers. We've got... I mean, we can play games on our microwave probably in the next year or two. But, you know, so, I mean, the, you, success doesn't have the same definition anymore. So, in a way, I guess it's not surprising that some of these big guys can go belly up. But it definitely is... Does mean that, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years. Yeah, I felt... Uh, I was a little bummed out by the 38 Studios. Because, you know, I played the demo to, to Kings of Amalur. And even though... I, I wasn't really that impressed with the game. It was still very fun. I still enjoyed it. I could still see it being a good game. But I also... I could see it where I really looked forward to sequels or future games from that company. Just because you could see that they had room to grow, but you could also see their potential in that game. Right. And you yeah, could see right. where it could turn into something big. I mean, obviously, they were planning on eventually making it into an MMO, which you know could have been a pretty good it game. It felt like an MMO to play. Yeah. I mean, well, originally, that's what they that were making, like, yeah, and then they were like, oh, let's just make a single player thing, yeah. first. Which is maybe the problem. Okay. Maybe they just didn't know where they were going. But, but I really thought they could have done well if they would have stuck around. But here's the thing, is that when you spend, like you said, that much money, did you buy it? No. Neither did I. <laughs> I will once it's like, you know... For ten bucks, bucks one day. But if you if you make games that people buy for ten bucks three years later, you're not in good shape. No. Well, so, that's why they say the used game market kind of kills a lot of game studios. It does. Well, see, and I think what's good about the used game market, though, is I think it's put pressure on game studios to build... Mass Effect 3s and Borderlands 2 and build these games that are so good and so epic that the idea of waiting to play them doesn't exist. You say, this game comes out, I want this game day one. I will pay 60 bucks. I'm not going to sit on it and wait till 35 bucks right. because it's, I mm -hmm. don't want to. And that, that to me actually is nice. I like the pressure that puts on the studios to build incredible games. 
And, and within the market, still, that the arcade yeah. can build smaller games and do smaller things, and that exists. You know, that's not separate. It's not like oh, they only build the epic games, or it's nothing. There's, yeah, the market is varied, but in the studios that are going to do those kinds of things, they got to bring it. You have to build a game that's that good that people want it, and they want to buy DLC, and they want to have it right away. And, and they and want the think, pre-orders. Yeah. And oh yeah. They, oh yeah. Pre-orders is huge too. Right. But I think that's you know one of the reasons we're seeing games that are this epic. Just continuing to come out is because you better make a game that's that epic or you're going to be in trouble. If you make a game that's Kingdoms of Amalur that's quite nice, it's pretty good. <laughs> right. Too bad. That's not good enough You know anymore. what probably killed them, though, was releasing that demo. Because I wonder if they would have done a lot better if nobody would have gotten a chance to play it yeah, before maybe. it came out. Because well, I, from, you know, like just from what you saw, you looked at it and like, that looks amazing, looks like it's really fun. I played the demo and I was kind of like, eh, I'm good, I'll get it eventually. That was okay. Well, yeah. and the other thing that they suffered from was the idea of release, releasing a large-scale fantasy epic that was pretty closely timed to Skyrim. Oh, And well, that's yeah. just... That's, that's a kiss timing. of death. That's like RPG studios releasing games next to a Final Fantasy title. It's just, you're asking to be buried. Like, it's yeah. just, it's a horrible timing issue. And, you know, decisions like that are probably made years in advance, and then it, it ends up just sort of... Like you you can them. push back you your release games, date get and just back say, oh, it's because yeah. we're, we're tinkering with it, we want it to be really we're good. We're just so. going to let this go away. You, I mean, you can't say it's because Skyrim's yeah. better than your game, but, like, you just, you just say, oh, well, you know, we're, we want to make our game as good as we can be, so we're going to push it back. Just wait till the next Man. Call of Duty game is announced. You'll see every shooter that was announced to come out anytime around them. Push like, oh, we're actually getting pushed back to the yeah. next year because you know they don't want to compete. And uh, yeah, I know. And I had totally forgotten about that. So I was glad you mentioned it. I remember. Yeah, I think a lot of people said that that, that was a really really bad time. It's exactly like. When you look at those movies that come out next to the big blockbusters right. of the summer, You're like what movie? You know, why did you pick to come out this weekend? You know, why did you choose to compete with you know Indiana Jones or whatever it is? You know? Right, Indiana Jones. Well, back when they were good, before Crystal Skull. <laughs> we're talking about sidebar. Okay. <laughs> Remember, Crystal Skull doesn't technically exist that, that in happen. my mind. So uh, yeah. Yeah. when yeah. I say Indiana Jones, you those can three just, movies. Those three, made. yeah, that's all. <laughs> um, okay, so there, big studios closed, right? Um, the other thing which I mean, we talked about this a lot but we can just bring it up again is the Mass Effect 3 ending I think we talked considerably about that um, the impact of, particularly in gamers having input and stuff but that was that was big this year um, but uh, I'm just going to scoot through because we talked about that a lot already um, we liked the ending because we loved I did I also liked the expanded ending though because I felt oh, yeah. like it, it was not changed I felt like it was just more clear. Built upon. It was so. nice, yeah, but I also kind of felt like it wasn't necessarily needed. Like, no, I, I wasn't hugely impressed with the ending, and yes, I agree where there were some holes and some things that I would have improved, but like I said, I really don't feel like there was any way they could have ended that where I would have been like, that was the perfect ending. I think I always would have been somewhat disappointed, and part of it probably was the fact that it was actually right. ending. It's done. Yep. So, okay, this is Mike skimming over it as much as possible. <laughs> it's Bioware. i got to at least say something. <laughs> Okay, um, here's one that is in effect now, I think, now. is um, yeah. as of... G4 is now not no G4. It exists, uh. but it exists as something that I have no interest in whatsoever. The Esquire channel. Have the they actually Esquire made the, the physical... I don't know if they... I thought the I transition don't think, was like during this month. Did they make yeah, the transition? I don't think it... it I think there's still the like one or two yet. episodes of like Xplay or something. So, X, yeah, Xplay, which is for me... Attack like, of the show... The, well, Attack of the Show to me kind of has been over, but since they changed all their hosts. But um, yeah, having X Play be gone to me is kind of a big deal. Like, whenever I think about game reviews, you know, I thought about X Play first. So, 
Um, lucky for all of you listeners now, now, now we're here to fill that void <laughs> that X-Play will leave behind as our podcast. And, but that's, that, this, is, this is big. Like, this was TV for gamers for years. I mean, X-Play's been on air for... Long time. Long time. It's got it's got to been at least fifteen years. I don't know how long exactly, I think but I can think. In the 80s I can think. Well, I, mean, I know when I was a teenager, I watched it then. Yeah, because Sessler started that as uh, Ziff TV was the original provider for it, and the show was called Extended Play. Yeah, and he was the only host. And then Morgan was brought in when they changed the name, and they did a they did a thousandth episode episode, didn't they? Does that sound right? That yeah. number might be off by a factor of ten, but they did certainly more than a hundred episodes. No, no but, more than 100. but yeah, I mean that game's sort of been around forever. And you know, if you look at the the last, you know, ten to twenty years, you know, these fun little nerdy experiences, whether you're talking about movies or games or comics or books or whatever, I mean, these things have always been around, but we're in this time now where there's this sort of social acceptance of these these things in a way that there really hasn't been and you're right that that network and that show X-Play particularly on that network was sort of that's the biggest thing that just your Joe anybody on the street would know of as a reference to something that's like a regular like anyone can you know get into it to see what you know this is what video games are all about I mean and there was things like game trailers TV and GameSpot had but none of that ever lasted or it was never it never had an impact I mean that that show was really you know that network came out of the death of tech TV and I remember watching you know this show that I loved called The Screensavers which one day they changed the name to Attack of the Show and I was like what's this show going to be about so you know going through tons of different hosts and going from a really nerdy hardcore like, that show was just a call-in show about, like, I'm having this problem with Windows 95, and I don't know what drivers are causing a problem. And then this blonde-haired <laughs> chick, bleached, spiky blonde-haired chick named Morgan Webb would talk about how you fix your problem with Windows. And, you know, to see what it became out of that is really interesting. And, you know, and it, yeah, it's just gone now. It's just Well, done. and that's, I'm kind of curious to see, you know, now you totally have this big niche open for that. And like you said, you know, nowadays gaming, you know, nerdy stuff, it's no longer that, you know, we're no longer in the revenge of the nerds era where being a nerd is like a negative thing. Like nowadays, nerds kind of run the world. Everybody's into video games. Everybody's into comic books. You know, everybody's into all that kind of stuff. So I'm curious to see if another channel will kind of, or, or, or whatever, a show or something will come out that, you know, kind of tries to bring in that, that group that now has been left by G4. You know, I know Spike TV does a lot of stuff. You know, they do the yeah. video game awards. They do a lot of kind of those same kind of movies and stuff that G4 did. Um, they do the the man awards. They do some stuff that, that caters to some of that group, but definitely not to the extent that G4 did. So it'll be interesting to see if somebody does try to maybe, you know, jump into that spot now that it's open. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that's interesting, too, is it's like not even within, not only that is there like this, like more of a social acceptance to this stuff, but it's like, it, just to, to ask somebody and say, like, you know, to use a phrase, which I'm not a big fan of, just the idea of, like, are you a gamer or are you not a gamer? I don't know what that means because, like, even what it means to play games can mean a hundred different things because I can't say that somebody who spends all their day playing, like, Madden or the newest, like, huge Call of Duty, like, I don't really have a lot of common in common with that person, even though they're still, you know participating in the same you know quote-unquote hobby that's really important to me it's like saying like oh you do you like movies well yeah i mean who doesn't like movies but you know what what that means to you is going to be very different from one person to another mm -hmm. so who knows i mean you could have a network that that catered to 
you know, casual gamers. It's all mobile stuff. You could have a stuff that's about, you know, girl gaming. You, so not even just to have a gaming what's, what thing. Is that? What's that? What's girl gaming? It's a thing. We'll talk about it after the show. But, yeah, so I, I, you're right. I think one of the things that's exciting about it is the fact that it's a void. Adam Sessler now works for Revision 3, um, so he's found a new job. Kevin Pereira started doing some new stuff, and so I don't know what Morgan Webb's going to be up to. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who, if anyone, decides to sort of take up that mantle yeah. and see what the next version of that sort of thing would be. But, I mean, a daily show about video games, that... Even I mean that seems like a pretty ridiculous pitch, and they made it work. So and that's yeah. Well, I mean, pretty impressive. It's even easier now, probably, than it used to be with all the different kinds of games. But you know, I, I think really that that um, that network really appealed to, to gamers that are like us. You know, I mean, I don't think people who are just playing Madden all the time watch that show. People who are just playing or any one game it doesn't have to be that. That's sure. just one of the things you mentioned. Or people who play cell phone games didn't watch that. You know, it was the gamers that like ourselves who are are you know play a lot of console games, play a lot of different games, and probably have played games for a long time that that's for, and there's a void for, for these kind of gamers, right. at least, because you're right, there's no definition of a gamer anymore, right? There, there used to be, that used to be a kind of person, I think, and, you know, they were, uh, nah, for lack of a better word, they, I mean, they, we were nerds, I mean, a lot of us, you know, like, we played games because <laughs> they? they, I know, um, we were nerds, and the reason we got into video games was like, hey, this is kind of like playing Dungeons and Dragons, except on my TV, oh, well, this is great, um, you know, for a long time, it was kind of like that, so, um, there's this, there is this group of gamers that I think really wants that information, but it is available some other places, I mean, we talked about those, but a lot of that's just, if you look on, like, Xbox Live, I mean, if you want to... There's a game coming out. Just go on the Xbox Live thing. Like, oh, there'll be a little thing on it. It'll pop up right in front of you. It's really easy to find. So I don't know if that yeah. kind of competition, that kind of you know tidbit, that's exactly what you want right at your fingers, actually kind of hurt them. Like, I don't know if that that hurt their ability because you know they 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 were in many ways the biggest game in town, but not the only game in town anymore. Right. And um, well, no, I mean you have YouTube, and IGN, GameSpot. You know, you have lots of stuff online. Of course, now, yeah, with all the game consoles and all their online stuff, like Xbox has, yeah. you know, Major Nelson and all those people who talk about sure. all this stuff. So yeah, maybe that was part of the reason why. Maybe you know nobody's really watching the show anymore. Everybody's just you know saying, why do I need to watch a whole show when I can just type in what review or what preview i want to see and boom bring it right up on my well yeah and i think that that what it, what it comes down to is the fact that this was a business venture and they fall under the nbc universal blanket and i don't think that that network was ever successful from a rating standpoint it wasn't terrible i mean they kept it on as long as they did but it never generated the kind of revenue that it did that network made all of its money off of like cops reruns like syndicated <laughs> stuff like that the you know ninja warrior or you know before there was an american version of it i mean that was what paid the bills to keep that place running and you know at, at the end of the day you know a big big corporation has no qualms about lopping off a limb if it's not useful to them they have no you know no interest yeah, in what yeah. public it is or is not serving and and you're right it's i think the people who are going to be invested in a, a program like that are the kind of people that Jared talk about you're savvy about these things you grew up with them and you know the hundred other outlets that you have for those things. I, I know that I can, if I want to watch a half-hour show about video games, I can find ten of them right now on YouTube. If I want to listen to critical opinions, you know, all these people who are very respected reviewers and writers, I'll go listen to their podcasts because they all have them now. So, I mean, I can get these things other ways. So, yeah, a combination of, you know, 
money and you know just the way things are going but it's definitely you know there's that that sort of little tear in the corner of your eyes like wow this thing just does not exist anymore yeah. and there wasn't something right behind it to replace it it's just no it's, it's gone Uh-oh. now yeah. so but I think uh, honestly I mean maybe it's just because I like that stuff but I think this n- new plan for this network is going to bomb <laughs> I think it has nothing of value to anyone That this kind of stuff they're putting is stuff that's everywhere they're, they're taking something that although it may not have had a huge audience was unique and had a niche audience to something that could not be more generic in my brain and will be awful and and who are we gonna have to review the newest Dynasty Warriors game and let us know oh, how it geez. still sucks? Because you know we're not gonna touch games like that. We're not gonna go near them. And who would? And they did. God bless them for doing that. So they could just mock every new one, and I enjoyed it. I remember one time they actually kind of liked one. It was like a revelation, but <laughs> it's just it's just sad for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna miss that. And then of course the biggest news of this year. Of course. We started a podcast. Yay! Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In case you didn't know. Yeah, if you if you don't know, I don't know what's happening to you In case right you now. just randomly clicked on something in your iTunes, like, what is like, this? What is this? Okay. Well, if it does, go back. you got three more episodes of fun. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> that's exciting news for us, at least, this year. We started, and we're all having a good time doing this, so that's really great. So, all right, here we go. No drum roll for it. We're going to go game of the year. If you had to pick a game that is, is your game this whole year... Uh, best game, and, and go ahead and go into why you think it's the best game. I won't do that. So, M- Mike, you start there. What was your what was your game? What, All right. What? Well, I'm sure I'm going to surprise y'all because I'm sure you're thinking, oh, of course he's going to pick Mass Effect 3 because he's a Bioware whore and all that kind of stuff. But you no. Are. Cityville 2. I'm actually going to have to... <laughs> <laughs> no, not that either. Uh, no, I'm actually going to have to pick Borderlands 2 because um, right. even though, yeah, I like Mass Effect 3, it definitely wasn't you know, kind of as great as I would have liked it to have been, but Borderlands 2 was as great as I wanted it to be, and way past. And even with the DLC, it just continues to push that line of, it's like... Just Mr. Torg did this for you, isn't Yes, it? no, I, I think, by all means, Mr. Torg kind of pushed him over the edge, but I think they already <laughs> had it either way. It's just been a lot of fun, you know, you get the, you get the co-op, you can play it single player, you get the loot, you, you get all the DLC, you get the comedy, you get the action, you get the story. I mean, it's got everything and more. And, uh, yeah, it was just one of those ways where you finally see a game company that does a sequel right, which is always nice. Because there's so many times that they put out sequels where it's just crap. Like, they just change everything and make it stupid. And or they with change this, nothing. Yeah, or they change nothing it's just the exact same game over and over again. Um, no, I felt like they did a really great job. It's a lot of fun. Um, anybody out there listening, if you have not played Borderlands 2, you are stupid and need to go out and buy it. <laughs> but we still love you for listening to the show. There yes, you thank you. But we still appreciate you. And <laughs> let's not let's let's cut back on the insults to our, our like one viewer. You know, another thing, a thing about that game that I think is really important to think about is that you know games have existed for 30, 40 years, whatever you want to mark as the beginning of it. But you know what's cool, I think about that game is that I think there's a lot that contributes to it that will will make it a timeless game. I, and I think it's because it's based on uh, on the fundamental like the structure of what you're actually doing in the game is a constant reward system. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you're progressing a story to look for a twist. It, and there's that, and it's fun, and you want to know about it, and it's definitely better than in the first game. But the, the, the actual way you're interacting with the game the whole time is very satisfying in a regular, consistent way. The graphical style that they've chosen to go with with this game, I think is going to lock it in 
to a way that, you know, if you look at this game 10 years from now, it's not going to look bad or weird because it's this very highly stylized, very cartoony way where we may look back at like the facial animations of the, the characters in Mass Effect 15 years from now and kind of go, oh, that was so quaint and charming when we thought that looked good. <laughs> but I think that there's going to be something about that that's going to lock it in. It's going to be like Link to the Past, which will be like, you can play that game at any time. It will be fun because it fits in with what it is. And, yeah. and that's impressive because I think to be able to craft something that can just be frozen that way and appreciate, you know, I, I, you probably won't be able to play it online forever, but you'll always have couch co-op, I guess. And, so. and give them a lot of credit for that because that was a, ch a chance they took. Yeah, you know, like to stylize it in that know, way. Eleventh hour Actually, decision, too. Really that was late, a really late in the first one. Yeah, really late decision to do it, and obviously it was brilliant. So, um, good for them for taking that chance. Right. So what was your What was your game of the year? Borderlands Two for Mike. Um, you know, I thought a lot about this because I got to play some pretty great games, and it is very tempting to go with Mass Effect. But I think that what made me hesitant to choose that as my favorite game of the year was the fact that. Not only did I, you know, find it to be maybe personally the least satisfying of the three, but the fact that, you know, I can't divorce that game from the other two games. It's an experience, so... But it, it doesn't get to win based on the fact that it's part of a greater body. I have to try to take it on its own merits, which is still a fantastic game, but I think that the game that I will look at as my game of the year this year um, is the Walking Dead series. Um... And, you know, for as much as I love Dishonored, as much as I love Borderlands, like, there is just something about the way that that game, you know, the way that it's put together, the way it's structured, the way you interact with it, the fact that it's kind of a throwback to an old genre that doesn't really exist anymore, the point-and-click adventure game thing, the, the way that the characters were written, like... I haven't cared about a character as much as this little girl Clementine, who you'll find out about because you guys are going to play this game, um, like in <laughs> forever. Like the fact that I really honestly care about this very cartoony looking character who I know is voiced by an adult, but no, it's like it felt so real and so visceral. And I think that it, it marked for me like the fact that I'm now excited to be able to spend more time with some of these smaller experiences because I think as big games get bigger and longer and more satisfying, which they should, we, mm -hmm. we just explained how they have to continue to justify their big existence by being these big things. Like there's going to be that part of me that wants to find a world I want to get lost in for hundreds and hundreds of hours, but I would like to be able to find these experiences that take me a handful of hours to get through and go, that was awesome for what it is. Now I can set that aside and go find the next awesome thing that's like that because all these people are doing all these awesome things. So I think in a way it represented this other side of gaming that I'm excited to see what people continue to do with, but just that it was so well-crafted for what it was that um, I just, I'm blown away by it and I'm so excited that they're going ahead and doing a second season, another set of episodes That'll probably be, you know, some old characters, some new characters, because a lot of those characters are not coming back. Um, <laughs> no matter what decisions not, you made. Not too much of a Unless they're zombies. No, they come back well, there you go. Yeah, there yeah, there yeah. is always that. But, um, but yeah, just a fantastic <laughs> game. So, my game of the year. Jared? Okay. Um, you know, I think one of the things that's nice uh, for us, I'm going to expound a little bit, um, just doing something like this is that we're really not burdened by um, being professional critics. I think often I, I listen to movie critics and I feel like they feel required to get tied down by certain things. Like, 
Um, you know, visually, how's the game? Okay, how is it produced? How is the lighting? How is the sound? How and, and you know, for me, if you get that technical, you lose what's fun about whatever you're doing. If you get to that level of criticism, so for us, what I put as the greatest game for me is just what is the most fun. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's the best thing that was created. It doesn't mean that everything about it was more incredible than every other game. I just think what made me just say, hey, I really want to play this game a lot because whenever I play it, I have a really good time. So for me, the game that was the most fun is also Borderlands 2. Um, it just hit on all levels. It, it was, now, it was a well-crafted game. You know, the voice acting thing is quite good. The, the, the way the shooter works is very satisfying. Um, but it was also the comedy. It was also the new characters they created that I really, really liked. It was just an experience that I found to be the most fun. And even as I'm playing Assassin's Creed 3 and loving it, you know, I'm thinking about, like, hey, that new Borderlands DLC is going to come out. That's great. I had so much fun, I just want more of it. Mm-hmm. I want to do it more than I've done it before. I'm playing another playthrough right now as a Gunzerker. And really enjoying it. Um, the Gunzerker, by the way, their power is that they can wield two guns at once um, for this really long period of time as their as their power. And uh, it's it's really fun. Like it, it makes me way too cocky. I jump in the middle of like a hundred enemies and try and kill them and I die a lot and I don't care because it's just really fun. So um, that that was definitely just it's it's the one I've enjoyed the most. It's it I, I loved it. It was an awesome game. I'm going to continue to play it. And that almost surprises me because in this I was anticipating Mass Effect 3 and Gears of War 3 more than almost any games I've ever anticipated. And they were amazing. I talked about them earlier, but this game to me, nothing touched it in terms of how fun mm-hmm. it was for me. So that, that game just, just blew me away. It was just really awesome. Well done, Gearbox. Yeah, I know. Good for you guys. You came out of nowhere and rocked my world twice in a row. So <laughs> nice job. Um, really nice Lamb, job. Lamb, bam, thank you, man. Yeah. So uh, Twice. All right, so uh, obviously uh, 2012 was a great year for games. We all had a lot of fun, and I hope you guys did too. We're really looking forward to uh, 2013, and we'll pick up with that next episode, actually. That's what we're going to talk about a lot is uh, games and, of course, trends. We try and hit on that a lot and things that we're looking forward to in the next year and and things we'd like to see and maybe things we'd like to see go away. Um, (laughs) We'll see, and uh, things are going on. So um, we hope you liked the last year. I hope you're looking forward to the next Like Us. And we hope you enjoyed the episode. So here we go, signing off. Again, uh, I got here. Uh, I'm Jared. Mike. And I'm Chris. And uh, we're the Used Gamers. I hope you enjoyed, and we will see you next episode. Bye, Bye everybody.
Say something. Something. Everybody talk. Jared, say something. Yay. Hello, we're doing... What up now? It's sad that we both went, yay. It's, <laughs> it's time to do a thing. Yay. Yeah.